Hey guys, Scott here from scottsbasslessons.com and I'm back here with you with another awesome interview and this week we've got the killing Shez Raja who's a great bass player from over here in the UK. He's played with a just a ton of killer guys and he's also even had Mike Stern and Randy Brecker on his last album now that is very cool before we get into the interview I also want to tell you about this cool thing we've got going on at the minute and it kind of ties into Shez actually like we got to hang out at the London bass guitar show which was a month or so ago it was a very cool uh, very cool weekend and Scott's bass lessons actually we hosted eight Yes, eight. That's quite a lot, isn't it? Eight uh, workshops over the entire weekend. We had guys like Zoltan Dekany, who's one of the, the best bass players here in the UK. We had Cody Wright. We had Chris May from Overwater Bases talking about how to set up your bass. I did a workshop. Jeff Chalmers did a workshop. So we, did, we hosted all these workshops. And obviously, most of our audience is not from the UK. So what we thought would be a cool idea is to film the entire two days for you guys and package it up for a download and offer it to anybody that becomes an Academy member. So all current Academy members are going to get an email and by Academy members, I mean like guys that are in the membership over at scottsbasessence.com, right? So all of those guys are going to get an email with a download link for the entire eight workshops so you can download it all for free okay if you're an academy member and also anybody that joins the academy so the membership over at scottsbasessence.com before april the 9th okay so anybody that joins before april the 9th so that's in a few days time okay anybody that joins before the april the 9th is also going to get a download link with all of the works workshops for the london bass guitar show included that's over eight hours of material okay it's a lot of material and it's and people paid like over 80 dollars to be there for the entire weekend we're going to give it to you guys completely free as long as you are an academy member so if you are an academy member keep a lookout in that inbox if you're not already an account member, just go check it out at scottsbasslessons.com. In a nutshell, it's the best online platform for bass players in the world. You can sign up and grab your 14-day free trial and take it for a test drive. And then you will also get your download for the eight workshops that we hosted at the London Bass Guitar Show as well. Now, as well, go to the website, obviously scottsbasslessons.com. Check out the show notes for this episode because we've got some cool videos of shares in there. And if you're completely free to Scott's Bass Essence, make sure you go to scottsbasslessons.com forward slash toolkit because there's a ton of cool downloadable stuff in there all for free like a buyer's guide like a video buyer's guide it's like 20 30 minutes long or something there's the base creation guide a baseline creation guide which is a 30 minute masterclass with me um there's a backing track library a ton of cool stuff go to scottsbasslessons.com forward slash toolkit and you can check it out there now without further ado let's get into this episode with the awesome shez raja Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the SBL podcast, joined today by Shez Raja. Um, Shez, if we if you haven't heard of Shez, he's been building up steam with his own group, the Shez Raja Collective, for a few years now, Shez. I think the, the first time I really heard of you was the live album you did two years ago, three years ago now? About two and a half years ago now, Nick. Yes, Soho Live, That's that was the live album. 
and we had Shabaka Hutchings on that. Yeah. Also, Sueto Kinch, Gillan Atzmon, and Jay Phelps. And that right. was really um, us trying our very, very best to capture the, the raw energy of the live show on record. And I'm, I'm pleased with the results. I think we did a pretty good job of it. I, I read a quote recently which described it as, or described the group as a sonic kaleidoscope of Indo jazz, thundering funk, tuneful ragas, and euphoric grooves. Which sounds <laughs> sounds great. How would you describe it? Well, I mean, there's so many influences in that one line. So many genres. I think, I think it's a melting pot, isn't it? Yeah, I think sonic kaleidoscope is a good wacky phrase to use for it really and certainly yeah. um i mean the whole background to, to, to the group was really to provide a platform for self-expression for mm -hmm. obviously myself and all these wonderful musicians that i'm blessed to be working with um and also to to really um provide an outlet for my own creativity and compositions and i've had a pretty broad playing experience and listening experience in the past so there's the eastern influence from my father who is from the Punjab region of the Indo subcontinent right and um I mean in terms of my journey as a musician in terms of my listening experiences I was raised on rock and metal got into funk rock oh, funk really? a lot of world music so I guess I'm subconsciously bringing all of those influences um to the sound so it is it is pretty eclectic and um i do i do like it when people describe it as dynamic music and uh, i mean i enjoy listening to music that's full of surprises as well so i think that probably comes through in my writing so who would be your main influences right now right now well i guess on the bass fronts i mean the greats you know jacko um big fan of marcus stanley victor Wooten as well, of course, mm -hmm. um, and you know, in the rock, in the rock and, and jazz, uh, the, uh, jazz funk rock circuit. I think you know, I, I really enjoyed listening to Steve Harris from Iron Maiden, Cliff Burton, uh, Robert Trujillo when he was doing uh, suicidal and infectious grooves. Um, who else? Les Claypool, um, Norwood Fisher from Fishbone. Yeah. Um, and I'm a huge fan of guitarists as well. So John McLaughlin, I've always loved, and Mahavishnu Orchestra, and um, Mike Stern as well. So it's really uh, honoured to have him playing on the latest record, of course. So yeah, I'd say there are there are you know a few of very very many uh, key influences that I have. How did the hookup with Mike Stern come about? So I met him in Ronnie Scott's. We hit it off. Got on like a house on fire. Um, I told him that I was working on this new project that I'd written a tune called Rock and Roller for him and I'd be delighted if we'd play on the new record and he said, okay, send me some music which I did, just dropped him an email and he replied back well, his manager because Mike doesn't do email, by the way so his manager replied back very quickly saying, yeah, Mike would love to and I, I called him, um, had a chat with him we talked about music, I met him again in London and we put put a plan together, so it was um, yeah, it was a pretty straightforward hookup, but a, but an absolutely inspiring and enlightening experience to work with him. What was it like writing for him or writing for someone like that? Um, I mean, how much did 
you have to think about what or try and imagine what he might play. I just thought blues rock meltdown. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, the guy, I mean, he's just a force of nature, isn't he, Mike? Um, So just, I wrote, I wrote a couple of tracks actually. Um, So, you know, sort of mid paced blues rock funk tune with a, a pretty mad middle section for Mike to uh, do some crazy soloing over and absolutely shreds it, Nick. <laughs> and then I wrote another tune, actually, after he'd, after he'd said he was up for collaborating called Rabbits, which is a really fast, frenetic tune with a lot of experimentation of uh, 16th note offbeats, which he really enjoyed. And uh, so there's a lot of um, fun unison bass and electric guitar playing on that. Did he give you any feedback? Oh, he did. He did, actually. Um, um, so we recorded it in New York, in London, and he did, he did some overdub sessions as well. And probably the most hilarious um, experience, because work with Mike is a lot of fun. More than anything, it's a lot of fun. And um, so we were touring in Germany. We just got off the stage in Berlin. <laughs> I get a call. It's Mike. And he said, yes, I'm just working on the outro of Rock and Roller now. What do you like best? Dill in it, dill in it, or zigging, ging, zigging, ging. And and he wasn't even playing the guitar. He was he was singing these musical parts down the phone. And I said, "Listen, Mike, they both sound really awesome. Go with either, but I totally trust your judgment." He goes, "Okay, I'll record both." <laughs> and this is what he did. He recorded two or three versions of each part, which he was overdubbing. I had the choice of sometimes two or three solos, choosing between. Even two Mike Stern solos is, wow, that's a dilemma and yeah. um, a huge job. It's taken me about two years to transcribe them. Uh, they're, they're that good. <laughs> um, so what really struck me about working with Mike is his energy, his enthusiasm, his love and passion for what he does. And I'd say more than anything, his respect for me as a fellow artist and respect to my project. He went the extra mile um, and he did something really special. And it's no coincidence that he's been as successful as he has been with that great attitude. So it's a wonderful lesson uh, for me and for all of us uh, who I've shared this with. So really great. Really happy with the results. And you also had Randy Brecker on the album. Randy, yeah, another really, really amazing guy. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, again, I met Randy. Yeah, yeah, I met Randy Ronnie's. Um, again, I had, had a really good chat about music. Um, and my father was into so the Brecker brothers, and we talked about that, how I listened to him as a kid. And um, so, yeah, really, really special connection with Randy, and I really um, admire his attitude again. And he's such a creative player. and he just brought such a depth of experience um, to the solos on the album. And you can just, you could just hear that experience of just sheer years and years on the road coming through absolute professional, outstanding, fearless performance from him. And do you think having that kind of caliber of special guest really elevated the album? more so than it would have done without them well it, it elevated me neck you know mm-hmm. a, a big a big reason because i'm a massive collaborator i love collaborating um 
even on a sort of micro level, what my, one of my favorite hobby when I'm not uh, playing in my band is jamming with drummers. And I'll jam with at least two drummers a week. And I've got about 50 drummers on rotation who I, who I play with. <laughs> and, and it's just a wonderful meeting of minds. And I try to play with as experienced musicians as I can as, and as diverse musicians as I can. And that really helps my musical development. So playing with Randy, playing with Mike on the new album, that really helped me to raise my game. Just the experience in itself was hugely inspiring. Um, and it really um, nurtured my inspiration and helped awaken my creativity in a in a in a in a in a very different, unique way. Um, and of course, I was enjoying these very unique interactions and the real exciting, fresh perspective that they brought, and the, the sort of unique chemistry of the musicians as well. So it was a wonderful experience. We've got to talk more about this drumming thing. You've got 50 drummers. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you do when you meet up? Is there any sort of pre-prepared plan or just turn up and jam? Absolutely not. Turn up and jam. No agenda. Mm-hmm. Completely liberated. Me and the bass, the drummer and the drums. Often I'll switch the light off. And this is one of my five favorite creativity boosters. So switch the light off. Your sense of sight is gone. All of your other senses, crucially hearing, go through the roof. I went to this restaurant, Don Lenoir, which is in the dark, in French, of course. Right. And you, you have this meal, Nick, in complete pitch black. Literally, you cannot see your hands in front of your face. Now, I'm sure the food is very, very good, but it tastes out of this world because your sense of smell, which is a, a you know, crucial part of enjoying food, and your sense of taste, of course, goes off the charts. And it's a wonderful experience. And here's the thing. The waiters are all blind, and they are your guides in this very unfamiliar world, their world of pitch black. And... Um, and that is in itself a really inspiring experience. So I really, uh, I'm applying this this concept when I'm jamming by switching the lights off. You listen more intently, you hear things differently, and it takes you playing, and the drummer's playing, and your combined playing to another place. And that that's really quite cool. Wow. Yeah. Well, could you share with this some more of these um, boosters? You said you had five there. What are the other ones? So... Okay, so I think another really key one, Nick, is, 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 is what I call praying for mistakes. Praying for mistakes. A lot of things have been said about mistakes in music. So if you take uh, the, the jazz piano player, Art Tatum, he said, there's no such thing as a mistake. Closer to home, um, the great Victor Wooten said, you're only ever one half step or semitone away from the right notes. And I saw a brilliant Facebook meme uh, not so long ago, which said a wrong note is simply a note you didn't intend to play. That sounds absolutely awful. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, it's funny, isn't it? And listen, that acknowledges a fear. That's the fear we all have when we make a mistake of, of sounding bad and of, of being judged. And I say, 
a mistake is simply an opportunity. It's crucial to creativity. And if you think about anything you ever play ever, that isn't a mistake, it's predetermined, it's planned, it is um, intended in some way. And when you look at it in that way, mistakes are exciting. What normally happens, make a mistake, an unintended note, fear sets in. Are we instantly or tempted to retreat back to a so-called right note? But I say embrace that, play that note again, it'll sound right. Play it three times, the band will sound like they got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but joking aside, if you turn that mistake or unintended note into a theme, you'll be creating melodies and music which you have never played in your life before, and that's creativity. And that's why I say we don't just want mistakes. We need mistakes, and that's why we need to pray for mistakes. So that's what I encourage the drummers to do. When they make a mistake, I'll, I'll stop everything. What did you do there? Let's focus on that unintended beat. It may have sounded like someone falling down the stairs. That's fine. Let's turn that into an idea and jam it. And that's where the real magic happens, the eureka moments, the flashes of brilliant ideas, the epiphanies. And I really enjoy exploring that. Would you say you analyze your playing quite a lot? When I'm playing. Like giving it a lot of thought. When I'm playing, no, Nick. So what I what I try and do when I'm playing is think of nothing. So just focus on um, my emotion, focus on how I'm feeling. Um, this meditative journey, especially when you're in an improvisate improvisation or a solo or a jam, um, but I record everything I play. So even when I pick up the bass, um, I always hit record. Um, on Ableton or just my little uh, recorder and occasionally when I hit on something new exciting fresh which sounds like it's not me playing and it's sort of something that I've never um, yeah played before sequence of notes I'll, 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 I won't stop I'll carry on maybe write quickly write down the the, the the hours and minutes and seconds but I will come back afterwards and I will analyze, I will transcribe, I'll turn it into an exercise, I'll do everything I can to get that then embedded into my improvisational vocabulary, so then when I'm playing again in future, without thinking, it will subconsciously come out in a very natural, free, organic way. So improvisation is very important to you? I love it, I love it. Yeah, I think writing, I think composition, I really thoroughly enjoy. The live show, I really enjoy. And I think where it really comes alive for me is the improvisation, yeah. The, that exhilarating feeling of making music in the here and now. Do you think, I mean, I've listened to a lot of your music and you you play a lot of kind of unison lines and you, you play the bass in a lot of kind of, it's not always in its traditional sense as in playing the groove down at the low end. You, you do a lot high up, high register stuff. Can you still apply that same approach to improvisation when you're playing a typical kind of bass line? Totally, totally, Nick. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. I love playing a higher register. I've got my five-string uh, bass strung with a top C instead of a low B. So I love playing around in that higher register, solos, melodies. You're right, I do a lot of unison lines with the violin and the uh, and sax, alto or tenor sax. And um, listen, I love... I, I equally love, genuinely, 
dead-on heavy grooves and groove playing. And I love playing a line forever. I just love getting onto a killer baseline groove, low-end groove, and just playing that with no fills and just playing that. And I was doing that actually a lot on Saturday with Dennis Rollins. He invited me to a gig uh, in Yorkshire, which was really good. And there's a lot of groove playing that, which is brilliant. Um, but in answer to your question, I absolutely think you can apply equal amounts of creativity to groove playing. For example, the feel, the dynamics, timing, the phrasing of it, and of course, good old bass fills, and then the, the, the then then you know anything's possible. You do have a, a different kind of set of boundaries, though, would you say? When you're playing a bass line in, in, in the traditional sense of the word, you do have to repeat certain notes in certain places and hold the repetitive nature of what the rest of the band might be expecting. Do you know what I mean? And, that, and that's that's a beautiful thing, Nick, I think. Um, can you play the, apply the same kind of mindset as you would when you're playing the high register, sort of free-flowing solos? I think, I think the one thing that is common throughout is your ability to connect with the audience and move and inspire them in some way and entertain. And I think you can do that when you're playing grooves, and I, th I think you can do that to the same extent when you're playing solos, and I really believe that. It's about conviction, about belief, and about, about connecting and communicating, and I think you can do that equally well with both. How have you developed your sort of band leadership? And how do you inspire the people you, you're on stage with to get the best out of them for your music? So it's a terrific question. It's a terrific question. And the last 10 years has been a huge learning experience for me on leadership, motivating a team of people, mm -hmm. and getting everyone working together towards a common vision. And I think a key way of doing that is to allow freedom yeah. for your musicians to be fully self-expressed and be themselves. And I think if you allow them to be authentic and you give them the headroom to really um, showcase and speak with their own unique voice, then you'll get many benefits. They will feel a part owner in your music. They will be at their very best. They'll be themselves, which is as original as any of us can ever be. They'll thoroughly enjoy being part of the project. You will have the best possible show for the audience and everyone's a winner. What's your main goal when you're doing a show? I've spoken to Victor Wooten once about this, and he said he's learned over the years how to just affect the way the audience feel, and that's what he's really trying to achieve by doing certain things on stage, playing certain ways. 
What's it for so, you? It's, it's, a, it's another wonderful question, Nick. So for me, I believe in jazz karma. Okay. So I think when we're on stage as performers, we have this huge responsibility to our audience, and we've got an opportunity to take them on a music on an emotional journey through music. And what I always aim to do to answer your question is to give them an experience where they're uplifted and moved in some way. And they're a part of the experience. So there's a lot of interaction, a lot of engagement, but also we share as openly as we possibly can the process of performing our art in the here and now and share and creating a feedback loop of energy. And that's what, always happens which i just love you get this wonderful you give it's it, this is the karma this is the karma next so you project this positivity you give it your all emotionally and musically and the audience just feel that and you get it back and then that fuels you and you give back even more and a lot of our shows end with this hugely euphoric atmosphere which is just incredible and everyone in that room band and audience member leave happier than they arrived and, and sort of on another level in terms of well-being actually so it's great it's, it's a it's a fantastic gift to be blessed with and, and to be able to share and i think it really is worth all of us reflecting on how we how we share and how we interact and engage with the audience at live shows. Another key aspect to your live shows I've noticed is you come out with some pretty crazy bass sounds. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Can you give us a quick rundown of, of what you're using? So I've got my boss GC10B bass effects processor down there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm using everything. I'm using everything there. Also, there's there's not no. I've left no stone unturned on this effects unit, and of course, it's not just the plethora of effects that are in there. There's the combinations with the um, yeah, with the patches you can set up. So, um, well, what I what I really try and do, um, my aim is to have a different, distinctive bass sound on every tune. Now, I think having a common thread is crucial as well. So what the great thing is about this effects unit has got two channels. So one channel is permanently my pure unaffected sound for my Warwick bass. So that's the common thread through everything, every tune, every solo, every bass line. But then channel two, I will do something different for each track. So it could be a kind of face melting distortion. Um, in fact, the, we, we did this gig in Germany once, and there was this really lovely. Um, she was sort of project manager of the of the events. She said, "Shes, I really like the way you, you, you occasionally step on effects 
on an effect that sounds like you've stepped on the wrong effect, but you go with it. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that's brilliant. That's, that's kind of the best feedback I could I could have because I'm really pushing the envelope sonically, yeah. and uh, there's some pretty astonishing, astounding uh, effect sounds that I do use. So you know, um, some you know extreme phases, some uh, you know, extreme sort of T-war envelope filters for the funk stuff. Um, Gosh, what else? Yeah, delays. Um, octava, chorus. And, and that's the thing, because I don't have the low B on my five string. I can just kind of jump on that octava. And, you know, if I really want to rock the rock the venue, I sometimes play with a, a, you know, a two-octave um, tone, below my natural tone, which is, which is quite good. I actually destroyed three bass amps in... <laughs> In, again, in Germany, on one gig, believe it or not, uh, using a particularly um, potent form of that effect, which I've now had to dial back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, it's huge fun. I, I just love experimenting with sounds and effects. It's, it's a great effects unit, I must say. What would you say to people who might think the bass guitar has a very traditional role and aren't really prepared to see it progress in the way that you're using it? I think I, th- I think each to their own neck. I think you know um, you see a lot of people playing, um, you know, as you as you as you would call it, a traditional role in bands playing the bass. Mm-hmm. They're enjoying it. They're having fun. It's absolutely the right thing for the context. For example, the song, um, the the audience are feeling it. It could be you know there's a danceable groove going on. Uh, which the bass player is is absolutely fundamental to. So I think that's brilliant. I think you know if that's the role that you feel comfortable um, playing, then go for it. And if you want to do something different, then go for that as well. I, I really think there's no um, no rules, absolutely no rules, whatever whatsoever in in music or any other art form. So, um, but I would just say you know. There are no rules, so the invitation sure. is there to, to, to experiment, try something different, step outside your comfort zone, and you may discover experiences which are even more fulfilling. So what's next? What's next for you guys? You mentioned a new album. Absolutely, yes. So well, we, we've, had a, we've had a super busy year, Nick, so I'm, I'm actually having a bit of a rest now. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, we, we started off the year playing at Jazz Ahead, the networking events over in Bremen. Um, we had a, a busy year of gigs. Uh, we played some great London venues, so 606, Hideaway, Forge, Beach Express, Dean Street. We played at Canary Wharf Jazz Festival. And, uh, yeah, Canary Wharf was, was fantastic, terrific audience. And uh, we played at London Jazz Festival. We did, did a couple of shows, including the Southbank Centre, mm-hmm. uh, which was recorded by uh, BBC Radio 3. Uh, so that was aired after the show. And then more recently, we played at London Bass Guitar Show, um, which was just absolutely wonderful and um, a real honour to be uh, p- performing for um, a- an exhibition centre full of bass players. I was really feeling the bass, bass love there and also some, some bass legends as well on the bill as well. So that was great. So I say, you know, terrific year promoting Gurutopia, the latest album. So now I'm in writing mode of feeling super inspired. Um, and before before we, we got on the call, Nick, I was there with the bass on Ableton, 
I've come up with a, a, an exciting new tune just this morning, which we're going to be working on later today as well. So yeah, 2018, we'll be we'll be having a new album, which is uh, in the pipeline right now. Exciting times. Yeah. Um, Thanks, Nick. If anyone gets a chance to see shares, you will not be disappointed. Or, um, like you said, there are no rules, right? Exactly, no rules. That's why I'm wearing my uh, tribute to Princess Leia uh, <laughs> headphones for everyone today. Um, <laughs> That should be a new rule for the podcast. I think so too. Okay, I think so too. All right, good, yeah, good. Thank you very much, man, for um, giving us some time. Um, the website, remind me of the address? Shezraja.com. That's S-H-E-Z-R-A-J-A.com. Shezraja.com. Go and check it out, guys. And we'll see you again same time next week. Thank, Thank you, Nick. Real care. pleasure talking to you. You Likewise. take care too. Thank you. Okay, guys, hopefully you enjoyed that interview with Shez. Again, you can find him from all the links in the show notes over at scottsbasslessons.com. So just go to scottsbasslessons.com, click podcast in the top navigation, and you'll find Shez's interview there, along with his show notes and some videos of him and all the other interviews that we've done as well. You know, And we've done a lot. I think we're coming up to 60 now. Around 60? I'm going to have to count them one day. Anyways, go check them out over at scottsbasessence.com. And remember, if you're an Academy member, you can also watch all of the videos for our interviews as well, our podcasts. And if you're not an Academy member yet, guys, go over and check it out at scottsbasessence.com. In a nutshell, it's the best online learning platform for bass players in the world, on the planet, anywhere, full stop. There's step-by-step courses, live seminars every single week, the largest online bass educational community in the world, and heaps more, the whole nine yards. And on top of that, we've got a completely free 14-day free trial, so you can take it for a test drive just to see if it's for you. Now, other than that, guys, take it easy, and I'll see you next week with a very special guest. Take it easy. Bye. (laughs) 